Hi there. Welcome to the Two Dudes Talk Tattoos podcast. Uh, a more advanced look at tattooing. We started this kind of like cold open where it's just kind of me sitting here talking to you uh, last week. And uh, I hope that you're getting something out of it. That kind of gives me a chance uh, by myself not to be sitting here trying to impress people because I'm you know, doing an interview or doing something else, trying to figure something out in my head. I guess to just try and connect with you dear listener and let you know what's uh what's going on around here um so to start everything uh the show is done by me and brian matthew um my name is ryan othus uh you can find me on instagram at r-i-a-n underscore o-t-h-u-s uh at bettertattooing.com as well as on youtube channel better tattooing and brian can be found at uh brian underscore matthew that's m-a-t-h-e-w only one t not two t's uh underscore tattoos on instagram uh on facebook brian matthew illustrations i think that's on instagram as well sorry uh scarlet veil tattoo on facebook and uh a tailored fit tattoo studio on facebook as well uh this show is us uh, it's part two talking with carl schwartz that's uh, carl with the c carl is a tattooer out of illinois he is just a great dude and uh, listening through this taking the time to edit it and stuff i just noticed how you know forthright and and honest he was when he was talking to us it was it was really really cool i mean especially for our first like you know air quote guest on this show to have somebody who is just so laid back so i mean thank you to my co-host brian for just you know picking the best stuff that we should be doing uh, and kind of leaving the backroom stuff to me um so yeah some things to note uh, over the next year brian and i are going to be heading out on the road a few times um it looks like we might be doing the arlington tattoo convention here in august um we'll probably be adding some other stops along the way in the near future um I guess as, as our treble schedules plan, uh, plans change, we'll let you know as they come around. Um, but in the meantime, you know, it's we have some weird things kind of brewing in the back end because I've been sitting here listening to podcasts, oh, I don't know, kind of religiously for the past couple of years. And, and one thing I've always liked is when people are just kind of looking outside of their normal medium to bring you things that you wouldn't have thought of. And uh, Brian and I, we sat down and we kind of went over some of the things that both of us maybe know or you know maybe the industry doesn't know and we feel comfortable talking about so we've decided to try and bring on some experts not only from academia but also you know outside of academia heck next week we might even be talking to a person who runs an art gallery to talk about why tattooing doesn't really work you know or at least how art galleries aren't super supportive of tattoo artists in general so that that'll be kind of interesting to think i think if we get the chance to talk to this guy um and the near future as well i mean we're going to be trying to dig up as many professionals to really round out the idea of tattoo and how you know each one of us fits into it what can be done in the future you know if you're if you're planning on making this a lifetime career uh you know we you can look forward to or what you know is is a possibility or how to even broaden your horizons or increase sales or you know whatever we're, we're, we're trying to do our best to make a well-rounded show that hopefully everyone enjoys um in saying that i kind of get like my own high horse here for a little bit because i can just talk and do whatever i want 
And if you're taking the time to listen to this, uh, thank you. I think that's pretty cool. But you're also subject to whatever it is that I want to say, which kind of makes me feel powerful. So I'm, I'm going to keep doing this because, you know, why not? Uh, no one's in my garage telling me not to do it. So, I mean, there's always going to be a few people possibly writing in and saying, you know, something mean, which is cool because we like actually having the critiques on the show. So if you do have something mean to say, let us know. Uh, it's <laughs> two, two dudes talk tattoos at gmail.com. May have just shot myself on the foot with that one. But, you know, what can you do? Um, before we get to the show today, I'm wanting everyone to maybe just take a second and think about something. And I, I don't know why listening to Mr. Carl talk a bit before we started, uh, you know, recording and then listening to the recording when I was doing the editing made this pop into my head. And I'm not, you know, trying to get all up in Carl's business, but he really did inspire me in a way because I, I had a chance to sit down and think I mean, on top of that, I was talking with Brian today about some philosophy stuff, which was really kind of intense because he has such a unique uh, philosophy for life that I hadn't really heard until really recently that I, I, I hadn't uh, taken the chance to, I guess, understand that aspect of my friend. So anyways, just to fill this in, I thought of this phrase, you know, when you can think of something that's so magnificent, it's difficult to look at. And that's kind of like the bare bones thing I think we go for in tattooing, right? We're trying to create something that is so good that you even have a hard time locking into it. So anyways, when we get into this uh, talk, you know, it starts off a bit slow. I think it finishes really, really strong. Uh, I know we were all a few, a few drinks into it by the end of it. Maybe that relaxed us, uh, which is not good. But it's what happened. Um, so yeah, I guess without further ado, let's get into the episode here. This is me and Brian uh, talking again with Carl Schwartz. This is part two. Kind of crazy right now. I'm I like, feel you, dude. Let's bring them with. I feel you. It, uh, it's hard. I, yeah, Flying with it's, babies it's, sucks, bro. <laughs> yeah, dude. You don't have to. You don't have to fly. He lives eight hours away from me. Oh, drive eight down. hour drive with a baby, dude. Fuck. I did a. I did a five hour drive with her like a month ago, and she nailed it. She was awesome. Well, that's good. I got I, yeah. one of my three kids is okay driving. My daughter, the youngest. If we're in the car for more than 35 minutes, puke city. Damn, Damn dude. Yeah. <laughs> I was she'll like just sit there and she'll be like singing and dancing and stuff. And then she'll start looking up the window and then she gets quiet and you see her head doing this. And she just oh, goes, and it's just like, that sucks. no forward down. And it's just, you know, so we can't yeah, go anywhere. Sucks. My boy, the 10 year old, I could drive. <laughs> we did once. I got lost on a fucking uh, woodland road. We're trying to find, anyways, it was this long fucking excursion. We were in the car for like eight hours. Motherfucker was back. We were just going uh, the whole time. Living, just killing dude, it, right? Yeah. yeah. Great. It's My awesome. daughter, I drive from here to the grocery store. And she's like, ah! fucking just dead. You know, I'm like, oh, man. Sorry, baby girl. I can't oh, put her next in the year. car, put like shopping carts because she'll vomit. Anyways, what? <laughs> Well, next year we'll be building the uh, the second 
living space, quote unquote, mm. on our property. Yeah. So the goal is to be able to have tattoo artists come down, stay on the property, go out mountain biking, have a great time, do some yeah, tattoos, dude. just live it up. That's that's what we want to do here too, especially after this fucking stuff tanks. I'm just trying to wait it out, wait it out, right? Dude, fucking Corvallis house prices doubled over last year. Dude, oh, that shit sucks, man. They went from like rent is average, ridiculous. Two fifty, three hundred thousand for a house. Dude, the average house price in Corvallis right now is seven hundred k. Yeah, Portland's nine fifty, yeah, yeah. dude. King County up in Seattle is one point two million dollars for a fucking house, average. Due to the uh, the market influx, so like we moved to Arkansas right at the perfect time. Yeah. But the market influx since we've moved to Arkansas, the value of houses, like when we moved in. Value of houses was like right at like one hundred ninety five thousand for a yeah. moderate house, and right now it's at three hundred fifty thousand. It's skyrocketing, Fuck, dude. Dude, I like wanted, I wanted to buy a house within the next couple of years, and it's just not gonna happen, man. Like, there's no fucking way. I hate renting because rent's going up. Too. House, I'm gonna it's, it's hit the fall. It's easy. So by the fall. Prices are going to come down, but the Fed is going to be slow on the re- on, on the reuptake for trying to adjust mortgage rates. Like August, September, October, November, look for a fucking house. If you want to buy it, buy it then because you'll get your fucking your rate set at a, a level that could be manageable because coming into next year, that shit's going to fucking skyrocket back into the 80s. My dad's first house just... he bought in 1973 had a 43% interest rate out here. I was like, damn, damn, dude, he sold cars. The cars at APR when he started his business was 37%. 37% interest rate on the car. He's yeah. like, you guys got two? Suck a dick. I'm like, all right, thanks, Dad. You know, like, <laughs> what's going to take? All you got to do is set up a savings account, right? Just from this day forward, set up a savings account. Every week, drop like 200 bucks into yeah. your savings account or like whatever the fuck you can afford. It doesn't even matter what it is. Um, but just throw extra bullshit money in there that you know, like you might have bought a beer with or something. Um, just keep that shit open, and then like the moment you have about sixty thousand in that bank account, that's when you're that's when you go fucking shop. <clears throat> yeah, if you're gonna look rural outside of stuff too, get in touch. With it the really FDA, won't take that long, man. It, USDA, right? Because they'll take one percent down, and they'll give you that. That even now, do the FDA loans still outside of Corvallis? They're still doing one percent on the mortgage back securities. Yeah, you can go through and get your uh, first time home buyers loan. Oh yeah, all you kinds get of shit. Fifty dude. fucking so k, fucking just easy. like throw into shit. Yeah, that's that's cool. Yeah, that's what we're gonna do. Yeah, uh, yeah. I dude, I almost bought the house I was in in Batavia, but just life shit that was going on. It wasn't. It just wasn't gonna work out. But but we do save up sixty k. Right. Once again, just start that savings account and pay no attention to it. Just put money in it. Uh, once it literally hits sixty k, just give us a phone call. We'll just give you all the fucking information you need for every fucking thing that could possibly help get you that house. And as long as your credit is above six fifty, you'll get the house. Yeah. Really. Yeah. When I came into getting credit, they were like, you're a ghost. Like, I had to refile for my social security number because I was out of the country for so fucking long. <laughs> Damn. Nice. <clears throat> so in the past five years, I got it from fucking zero something now. So 
Yeah, when we decided to buy the next house, it took us basically six months uh, to hit our number for our savings. Um, But at the same time, uh, we skyrocketed our credit. Mm -hmm. So my credit went from like 715 to 810. Okay. So just skyrocket it. It's really easy to that manipulate your credit. Shit, dude. As soon as you get above fucking seven, your APR on everything tanks. Like my credit card through my bank is 6.5%. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. See, I, I had, I'm, what's you, up? You got your job and shit like that. You just started having kids, all of the above, right? What you're going to realize now is that your credit is going to shoot up and yeah. drop right down, shoot yeah. up and drop right down. So, like, if you build your credit up, and then, like, let's say you get a car, boom, your credit drops. Uh, you build your credit back up, you're gonna get a house, boom, your credit drops, drops hard, hard. But yeah. it's once again, it's only gonna take you about a year to build your credit back up. Yeah. So this this shit's just gonna fluctuate like crazy. And what you have to do is learn to embrace that pattern. And once you can do that, and you know how to use that pattern to your benefit, everything's just gonna get so much fucking easier because you already know it's coming. And you know how to prepare and make sure that you can get it back up. <laughs> That's what I was doing with my yeah. credit cards. I'd max them out in six months. I'd pay them off. So tank. Right. And all of a sudden I come back and I pay them off in six months. You're like, that's, fuck you know that's where i'm at now and like i've been putting it sucks because i've been like throwing a bunch of money at my credit cards because i have to move yeah. so i know i need my credit score up and within a month my shit's gonna be back up to like fine you know i got a nice townhouse out here like rent but i mean still to rent they go through your shit almost as much as they do with the house i rent i can't afford shit out here we live in the hood hell yeah yeah nice my so the average rent in Portland is twenty seven hundred dollars for a, uh, a month for a two bedroom house. So we have a three bedroom place. It's in the hood, and we're paying fourteen hundred. We live in the hood. <laughs> when you go to right. when you go to the fucking market here, they got fucking those anti theft devices and ground beef. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> scumbags <laughs> who puts who puts theft protection on food like i'm sorry dude if someone's right. stealing food they need they it probably man. need it more than yeah. you do blow me doesn't make like, any fucking sense especially out here because everyone's like oh granola health and hippie blah 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 but they're like homeless people get fucked oh also black people get fucked uh, this bogus. fucking place this this fucking city you know brian yeah, I love how they try to like promote themselves as like the most progressive holy land on the face of the planet, but it's, it's really the most not, ass- backwards it's racist totally. place I've ever seen. <laughs> I was gone for 15 years. The first day I came back, I was driving through. I was coming across 26 on Powell, heading into downtown from the east side, right? It's just like a fucking whatever. There's this, this shithole area, right? Right before like the, the 205. It's like main highway running north, north, south. I'm stopping the light. It's a five point intersection. This dude walks in the middle of the intersection against the fucking walk light, takes a shit in the middle of it. And he's locking eyes with me. It's the best. And I was like, welcome to Portland, dude. Like, keep Portland weird, bro. You know? And like, light turned green. No one moved. No one honked. No one did nothing. They're like, well, welcome to Portland. That's <laughs> like, oh, that's what I forgot. You know? It's just like bullshit here. Because a TV show came out and everyone thought it was fucking great, so they'll move from other places coming here, and it was just a fucking shithole. Still, Portland's always been a dump. <clears throat> Anyways, I wrote down some shit. So, Carl, 
Is it good shit or bad shit? <laughs> I'm gonna read them off here, and then we can decide if it's good or bad. <laughs> it's not like last time where I had like I think I had like 13 shots and an, uh, an Adderall or two before we recorded last time. Sheesh. I didn't remember what the fuck we talked about. I was doing the proofing, and Brian was like, "Why do you want to talk about the same thing we talked about before?" And I'm like, "What are you talking?" About? And I went back and I proofed the episode. Let's do. I'm like, "We talked about this before." He's like, "Question mark." duh like it was like <laughs> sorry bro um anyways so oh well so like first carl like i know you know all about brian like brian is <laughs> like a god to me past this stuff you know i've been bugging this motherfucker forever to just be like my best friend um i think i said that to you the first day i work with this motherfucker we get two tattoos to walk in the same tattoo <laughs> We don't say shit. Let's be friends. I asked him what group and you think about using. He's like, I don't know, probably seven or three. And I'm like, okay. So we go away. We do the same fucking tattoo. We finish at the exact same time. And the tattoos are fucking just like the same shit. We both looked at the tattoos, looked at each other, looked at the tattoos. We're like, okay. And I went, hey, I want you to give me a critique. And he's like, I showed him a tattoo I did like 12 years ago. And he looked at me and he says, I hope you got better since then. And I was just like, you're my best friend. He's like, do you want to draw? And I was like, okay, cool. And we just like hung out, right? Randomly send text messages. Like, I love you. Um, anyways, I think from your experience, like you've worked, it sounds like you've worked really fucking hard getting to where you're at. So, because I don't know how you approach tattooing, right? Like I, I, Brian probably didn't tell you how fucking weird my shit is when I tattoo, hey? When we do this, we have an initial meet and greet. This is like my 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 consultation process. So we have a thirty minute meet and greet, and we just see if we want to work together, right? Because if I don't like the person, they don't like me. We shouldn't work together, right? If I don't understand what they're trying to do or we can't communicate well, like we shouldn't work together. So we'll do a thirty minute meet and greet. If we decide to work together, um, we set a budget for what we're trying to do with the project, and then I give them homework, and it's usually trying to identify what they like, what they don't like, trying to pick out stuff, right? We'll have another talk. It's an hour after that initial half hour meet and greet. And we'll do maybe like four or five hours face to face where we're talking about stuff, trying to describe stuff. And it's all about understanding um, informed consent. I explain to them why I want to do what I want to do. We try to get like full genetic backgrounds, ancestral backgrounds to like apply specific types of colors. Like we were talking about like RGB and CY, CMYK color profiles to like different types of body types, skin types, um, if people have different lifestyles, if they have different ages and stuff and try to really custom tailor like every aspect of the design and the process to them individually. Once we do that stuff, we'll do a rough mock-up if that includes either artwork or sculpture or other things we're gonna be taking pictures in public, we'll do that stuff and we do a mock-up of that and then we bring them in. We do a full marker rendering of every tattoo that we do before they do it, they go home. And then once they go home then they give me feedback and notes, if we need to make amendments, we can do that. We can start back over in the process somewhere we need to. And if not, I'll create the artwork directly off that scaled model until they come and do the tattoo and then we fucking do it for a flat rate my Bam. shit's for flat rate yeah my shit's way different what's that flat rate <laughs> all, it's the flat rate that. is whatever their budget is if somebody comes in they want to get you know a sleeve done they're like i have 500 dollars. <laughs> so i always have to approach this like this like that's that's a lot of money to them they've saved up for however long to get this stuff right and i'll say this is what we can accomplish and i usually take a pretty good hit for you know whatever trying to get stuff but i'm also i'm i'm stupid fast with or efficient i should say some say fast because i'm not rushing shit i'm just really efficient with tattooing so if people have that i'll see like this is what we can do and we'll adjust the amount of detail 
um, and viewability based on distance or maybe even relation to the person, like if they're in your front side, like how, how big this is going to be based on the budget. And then we start tailoring it down. So the person has a lot more control over what they get versus me just being an artist, right? I am I, literally like I'm similar. Yeah, I'm similar. I'm similar in a lot of ways. I will, I have every, everyone call me. Like I talk to them on the phone if they can't do like an in-person consultation. Cause I at least want to like, I don't know, kind of gauge off of the phone conversation, what I can get away with in the tattoo. Like as far as like design elements, a level of artistic control. Um, and then what they absolutely have to have in the tattoo. Yeah. If those two things kind of coincide, I'll kind of take it a step further and we will. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, yeah, I I, no, um, I already know, like, right off the hop, like, the people who hear about my process, like, when I, I told this to Brian a few years ago, he's like, why are you wasting up this fucking time? <laughs> and and I'm, the reason why we're doing a lot of this right now is actually, like, research-based, right? I'm trying to understand, like, uh, utility, but a philosophical concept of utility when people are getting into a tattoo. Like, what do they get out of it if they have more control, if they have more involvement, and they have more education out of it? So we've tried to, and specifically in like the past two years, maximize that. Anything that we can see where we can put more control into the client's hands and take it away from me, right? And, and really just become like a, a conduit for what the person is imagining, right? Or what they can see or what they can feel or what they can empathy, uh, empathize about the design. We're trying to make that a reality instead of being the artist that somebody relies on to give them exactly what they want. Which I gotta tell you, it's really fucking hard. This sucks yeah. at times, you know. Um, I do a lot of tattoos that I am, I know I could have done better, and I know I could have improved upon. It. I know I could have done this, and I know I could have done this. But that person is so after the process, they're so attached to like that that thing that they've come up with. That this is them. They they have control over their body, and I I work with a lot of people with really bad experiences bad tattoos people who've been by tattoo artists sexually verbally or physically assaulted like like the worst you know shit that you could yeah. think of and like empowering them to get back into tattooing and almost using it like a, a type of catharsis or something um, yeah that's cool yeah. that's awesome it it's it, i is an immense amount of responsibility to try to do it right so it's more of like a healing thing but dude like every other day i'm like man I'm way better at art than this. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like I could probably do this way more sick, you know? I'll talk to Brian. I'm like, I got to do something. He's like, just draw something up. I'm like, well, I can't, you know? <laughs> I got to spend the next few hours that. trying to do that shit. So I guess I, I gauge my approach based on the client. Mm. And that's, I get a lot of that out of the first consultation. Yeah. Um, and if we vibe well, then I, I send them a link. And then they pick their appointment and their time. They pay their deposit right through there. And then they come in. When they come in, I like it's a private studio. We don't have walk-ins. I'm only working on them. Uh, they got like TV. They got complete control of that. Yeah. And nothing's rushed. Nothing's ever, you know what I mean? It is like they know that this is their time. And we're going to, sometimes I have to work on the design in front of them there, which gives them that additional control over stuff. Yeah. Control. Yeah. yeah. But I still do have 
I have control over the design within their parameters and I can talk it out with them kind of in real time. A lot of times, and what I do is I, I get a thumbnail sketch together. Yeah. And thank you, Brian. (laughs) Yeah. And I'll take, I'll take it probably one step further and I'll show it to them. Yeah. And then if they are super down with it, then we'll just tattoo it. If they have changes, you know, we'll work on it. Usually I have some stuff to finish as far as like, cause I'll like, I won't have like my sketch completely. I don't know. I, I draw really, really weird, but I'll have it like kind of half-ass lined out, kind of half-ass sketch. About 90%, then, right? The concept is 90% fully fluid. Right? Yeah. yeah. And then they can see that and be like, I like that. They can usually tell. It's done enough that, like, for someone who doesn't draw, they're like, oh, I can see what's going on for the most part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, but that gives them that open-ended, you know, this isn't even done yet. So if I have to, you know, slide in, you know, this is kind of what I'm thinking, this is what I'm thinking. And then I have the opportunity to be like, okay, that won't work for this reason. And we can back and forth and, like, figure it out. Yeah. With a lot, you know, it's not back and forth emails. It's not a bunch of consultations, you know, which is such a waste of fucking time, dude. It's it's, it's hard with kids. It's hard to, it's hard to keep up with that. The client you're working on currently. And that's why their time, their time is, you know, that is their time. They pay good money for that session. And I give them as much control through that process as I possibly can. Um, yeah. and most so, of my clients are awesome and they're super laid back. I mean, they don't even like, some of them are like, I'll put whatever you want on the TV. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. The yeah. office again. But like, <laughs> for the most part, man, like I, I'm very, very lucky with the clients that I have yeah. and I don't work with, I, I have like bigger projects that I, you know, cycle, I work on them. They have an appointment next month and it's, you know, 10, 11 people like that. And then yeah. a couple smaller appointments in between. Yeah, I, I run about the same. I try to do one to two large projects a month for the year. And that's just it, right? Like that's my operating expenses basically taken care of. But I, I'm wondering if, because like you've done this stuff, it, it seems like you're almost trying to focus more on collaboration in some way, right? You're working yeah. with the person instead of like, it's something me and Brian have talked about a lot. Like Brian, and I know, dude, like you'll always be like, I'm an asshole and stuff. You spend a lot of mental power, Brian, like really trying to understand the individual you're working with. Yes, you have your way that you're going to do stuff, right? Not you can fucking push it off as much as you fucking want to, dude. But like you do try to work with them. Give or take. Yeah. The why. Well, I don't view it as trying to get to know the person. I I view it as trying to get to know the story. <laughs> I love your minimizing, dude. That's fucking. Uh, but great. it is—it's fun sitting here and hearing everybody's different takes on how to approach doing such a menial fucking chore. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's—it's it's really important to like. Well, in my opinion, um, I always view it as I'm trying to get to the bottom of the story. Like I want to know every detail in this story because I'm an illustrator and I want to illustrate what's happening in the story um and like to a lot of extent you know that's getting to know the person because it's that person's story um yeah but we see a sliding there is a here. lot of times yeah. where i'm not going to give them as much control as what you're going to give them 
um, because I do, I do safeguard. I do, I do the same. My artwork. I think I would you know, say um, I just <laughs> setting. I set like specific boundaries, and I, I mean, I explain to them, you're coming to me because I tattoo this way. Yeah. And if they're not feeling it, I will. You know, nine times out of ten, I'm probably going to give them. If I haven't put that much work into it. I'll be up front and just give them their deposit back. Yeah. You know what I mean? And tell them, you know, you can go with this person, this person, or this person. We have artists in shop and I know right. enough artists, you know, in yeah. the Chicagoland area that I can send you to someone who's going to give you the tattoo that you want. Yeah. I'm not the tattoo artist for everybody. I have a weird way that I work. It's very, it's a very chill, relaxed environment. You don't feel like you're in a tattoo shop, but it's still not for everybody. So I try, I try and keep them comfortable. Yeah, that's, yeah, I try and that's keep literally them. all of us. We're all three of us on this call. We all do it just that we're coming at the same end result. Yeah. We all go about it a little bit differently, right? That's, yeah. that's really interesting. Well, what's, I, I, what's cool is that we're all stylistically very different in our artwork. And oh, yeah. the approach is very yeah. different yeah. Uh, in what we're doing. Like For the most part, I do not tattoo a lot of local people. I have a lot of people that travel... And come get tattooed now you know so like when i was in yeah. oregon i tattooed people from uh illinois i tattooed people from tennessee i tattooed people from fucking georgia um now that i'm in arkansas i'm tattooing people from outside of arkansas i'm tattooing people from illinois from oregon um yeah but these people they're they understand that i'm gonna take the story that they have to share and generate what they're trying to get so they know what they're coming for. Your clients always know what they're coming in for, for the most part. Sometimes, you know, yeah. that random person will walk in and not really know what's up, but it just takes a 10-minute <laughs> yeah. conversation, you know? I think that's – I think it's difficult, too, because we are always in that mindset of, like, I want this person to feel comfortable. I want them yeah. to feel like, you know, I'm, you know, I'm here with them. I'm trying to give you – you know, a good experience. I'm trying to give you a good tattoo and I want them to be happy the whole time. So you, you forget that they came for you and your style. Yeah. And like, I've had clients have to remind me like, Hey man, just do your thing. Like do what you want. They can tell them like almost prying for more information on the design or whatever. And finally they're like, I, you know, I, I just am coming to get a tattoo by you, Yeah. whatever, whatever you got to do to make it happen. And it's cool to have clients that do remind you because our job is, it's a weird high stress job. Oh yeah. <laughs> by this calm, casual facade of, you know, Oh, I'm just a tattoo artist. I'm hanging out. I can do whatever I want. Yeah, but really freedom. Yeah. Yeah. In, yeah. in my head anyways, it's like, you know, you're, you're responsible for this person. You're responsible for, you know, a tattoo that could have this heavy weight behind it. Um, you're responsible for someone who is in a vulnerable position, like, yeah. and you know, it's keeping all these things aligned to, you know, make sure that they leave with something dope that they remember forever. Yeah, because that tattoo is with them forever, and so is the experience tied to that tattoo. Right. Yeah, if they have a shit yeah. experience, if they have a shit experience, they will see it in that tattoo. You could absolutely kill it on that tattoo, but they will hate it. If you gave them a shit experience for the rest of their life, even if they get it removed, the rest they of get their it life. covered up, it's always that preface, right? It was the experience first. 
even if it ends yep. up being covered up by a great tattoo or even if it was a great tattoo they're always going to remember you right yep the tough part you're is a good tattooer carl you can't like you're explain good. that i like you to Thanks. clientele either you I'm know trying. like they don't understand that yeah that's like really what the consultation process is all about because when you're meeting that person, you're really just getting a feel for, am I going to be able to give this person a good experience? Or is there somebody better qualified yeah. to give this person yeah. a good experience? You know, and they might yes. think you're an asshole yes. Yes. for steering them in a different direction or to a different tattoo artist, but they don't understand that you've already decided that like you can't give them the experience that they're looking for. I can damn well give exactly. them a tattoo they're exactly. looking for, but I can't give them the experience, the experience that they're looking for. That's good to lay out there, dude. I think that's really important because, you know, there's a, probably a lot of tattooers out there who are, and I can think of a few anyways, right off the top, that are just not fit for general conversation. They're not, they're not fit for that connection, for that attachment. You know, the headphones on, just disconnect, treat the person like a canvas, and they do a great fucking tattoo. And if people aren't looking for that, you can't hold it against the tattooer. Right. Especially if they try to do something to get you the best experience that they do. Like, it's really important, I think, for people who are going to be frequenting this this lifestyle, right? Like this this permanent cosmetic modification of your body to know, like, the vast majority of us out there don't look on fucking Instagram or on TV or any of this other shit. Like, we really do care, and we're trying to make sure that you're taken care of. And maybe we're not the best at communicating. Maybe we're not the best at connecting. Maybe we're not the best at any of this stuff. But that's where. And for me specifically, I think that the professionalism stops is if you're able to really let the person know, or if they should know that you really do care about the end result, then that's it. Because everything else after that is just fucking, you know, that's just the tattoo. You know what I mean? Anyways, I think the worst part fucking heavy with that and, and like the bulk of my career <clears throat> is that my vernacular, um, is very abrasive <laughs> so like when i'm trying to express things to people you know um, yeah. uh, my my brain has been broken a few times so when i'm trying to express this shit <laughs> to people i get really frustrated yeah. at like my own speaking ability and i'm trying to like minimize the way that i speak to people so yeah. because i'm minimizing my speech i'm making everything really short and direct and that comes yep. off as confrontational or violent towards people. So I'm instantly labeled as some giant fucking asshole ass when bro. I'm yeah. physically trying to be as nice as I can to these people, you know? So like, yeah, that's, dude. that's always been like this fucking thing. So now like when I'm having consultations, I always start off with like, Hey, uh, if I come off sounding like an asshole, I swear I'm not trying to be an asshole. Just hear me out. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's taken I me a really long time swing. to uh, to yeah, understand dude. that people were taking <laughs> me in in a completely different tone than I thought I was letting out. So yeah, I could see that, dude. Like when initially you're like trying, and then you're like recoil because it's not being taken right. You're like, well, this isn't working fucking either. So you slowly right. start adding in a little bit more vulnerability until it's just like, this is not how I talk to people. But <laughs> that's so fucking cool, dude. I got you right off the hop. <clears throat> like that polar opposite. I'm like, here's about my childhood. <laughs> can't we be friends that's cool dude 
now our commercial break. We got a we got a sponsorship uh, sponsorship spot from Dragonhawk. Yeah, I'm totally down for that. Actually, yeah. I, I, okay, so I think it's so fucking funny that it's Dragonhawk. <laughs> I thought you would have had a good laugh out of that, right? I was thinking about hitting up some other machine builders and stuff, and I was like, no, we got to go like. Let's just go. Let's lean into this, right? Like, no, I, I have no shame in that, uh, dude. I tell every fucking tattooer, every single person I know, I was like, "Fuck yeah, Dragon Hot, dude!" <laughs> Spend a hundred dollars on a fucking machine. It lasts a year. You throw it away and buy a new one. Fuck it. This is shit, dude. Yeah. You're good, Carl. Thanks. Yeah, dude. Thanks, man. You got yeah. your shit figured out, dude. I know, like, it's like taking a while. Eleven years <laughs> in and stuff, and it's it's cool to see someone in the industry being like, so I'm I'm so like air quotes comma so I'm doing this right now, but ellipses, right? Like that's that's cool, you know. Most often when we we think about artists, we meet artists, we talk to people, especially in public, right? Everyone's always got everything figured out. They've got all their techniques. They got all their stuff. They got all this stuff. You know, it's like they seem to know everything. And it's such a miss, like, especially for me, like coming up, I, I traveled for 10 years straight on the road, going to people, trying to learn stuff, trying to figure out stuff. And I'd always find these ultra confident people who knew everything and I'd work with them and they didn't know shit. And I'd be like, fuck, you know, like I just wasted six months of my life trying to learn off of this motherfucker and I didn't have anything. And it's like, there, there, in my opinion, right? Like there should always be at this, this cliff note to tattooing that like most of us are still trying to figure this out. Like no one is ever going to have it hundred yeah. percent. Right. And everyone is fucking different. And all we're trying to do is just come up with this like base knowledge, this foundational something that we can pass on to something. That's the, the apprenticeship. Right. And once you get this, like, it's kind of good luck, you know, like we got to just be like, if you make it, fucking good for you because no one's going to respect you until you make it no one's going to give a shit about you once you make it what you do with it at that point in time is really fucking important um that's too deep but it's kind of like where the industry is you kind of sit now right where it's like i know right we we've reached this like this tilt where the old guys who train like me and brian you know and even you carl like you have the same type of fucking come into this right where it's they're gone you know, death, yeah. drugs, fucking whatever, right? They don't have that same influence now. And there is a huge gap of knowledge because they never released any of this stuff. Like this, that died with them. So we, yeah. we're all trying to find all these little nuanced things and we're trying to release it bit by bit to people that may seem gatekeepery, but but we know not who can utilize it, but who can carry it forward. You know what I mean? And so- I think I, I, I feel like I've considered an apprentice. A that's couple cool. times you um, think you're ready but no i don't and that's why i don't have one yeah i i like i said i've considered an apprentice but so along with the are you ready question i think it also comes down to are you ever ready yeah um i think <laughs> i think there is babies <laughs> yeah exactly though yeah. it it really is because you can be you can be a mediocre tattooer, you know, solid technicals, an okay artist. But if, you know, if, if you can communicate with this person that, you know, has this level of art ability, 
you guys get along relatively well and they want to work hard enough you could make a great tattooer yeah not even be you know what i mean some of the best tattooers came from you know mediocre tattooers so i mediocre tattooers so i I totally get that i feel the same way about myself (laughs) but i'm trying no fucking comment from brian because he knows he's good you fucking you're so good well it just made me think of uh, when i first met carl so i like carl right off the rip when i very first met him my first fucking day i met him because carl was just like i'm not a good tattoo artist but i try (laughs) but like it was just basically the whole day of listening to self-deprecating humor and i was like this guy's a fucking genius because that's it that realistically the idea that you're just honest enough to be like i'm not as good as that guy but like i'll fucking try (laughs) like yeah realistically that honesty is absolutely why i lied you right off rip i was like fuck yeah this guy rocks fucking works yeah (laughs) yeah that's it it's not i'm gonna be better than them someday it's like fuck you know like that that question i'm just happy to be here man you're just Just happy to be here i'm doing my best that that's the goal right i I think that's something i try to impart on some of these younger people who are getting the tattooing now like especially writing off like the youtube channel or the website and stuff it's just like just do your best like going to every tattoo when you're finished, know that you tried your hardest. You're gonna fuck it up. Like this is that's what fucking happened. That's tattooing. Like you're gonna fuck up. We were talking about this mm-hmm. earlier, and it it's really not about not making mistakes. It's yeah. about making a good tattoo at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? The tattoo only has to look good when it's done. And yeah. not getting hung up on like not nitpicking every little mistake. And just defeating yourself before you're done because at the end of the day it just has it has to be good at the end of the day yeah and i think that's one part about you know you get so far into tattooing and like you were saying you have this lens that you're looking at tattooing through to where you're looking at the lines you're looking at the shading you're looking at the you know the technical saturation everything like that you're not even looking at the fucking tattoo Mm. anymore you're not even yeah. looking at how cool this image is because you're caught up in looking at all these technicals. Yeah. And I think that's, I miss, I miss being able to look at most tattoos and be like, that's cool. That's yeah. awesome. You know, there, there's color in it. You know, you can tell what it is. It's awesome. Yeah. But, you know, we get caught up in breaking down everything into these tiny little check boxes that we stop looking at how fucking cool tattoos are in the first place that's why uh, i have the running joke of like just get a dragon but it's because like no matter fucking what dude (laughs) if you have a dragon that's a fucking cool that's a fucking cool tattoo that's a fucking cool tattoo yeah if it fits and flows man it goes (laughs) that's cool dude shit that was good that's good. Yeah, Carl, you're good, dude. You're good. Brian's like, I know this dude. There's Carl. He's got the like luckiest fucking Gmail account ever. Carl tattoos. Like, fuck. He's got lucky bro. Got like right off the hop. I was like, he said, I like sent me Carl's dead, uh email. He's like, send it. And I was like, how the fuck did he get that, dude? Like, I can't even get that. My name's all fucked up. That's great. I capitalized on it, man. <laughs> they got me on Instagram though. I got yeah. an underscore in there. Oh. But I've almost braided the underscore into my shit anyways. You know, logo. <laughs> I guess it doesn't have an underscore, but 
mine if you ever find random artwork you're like that's kind of neat and kind of tattooy around the world mine, mine's always signed with a star five point star never sign my name my insurance company wouldn't give me insurance for like three months i had to fight with them because i signed my name with a star <laughs> should use an underscore instead just go fuck off actually dude so we covered like the three other questions i had through that talk that was that was good dude this is this is cool um so brian since you had a fucking beer and you got to think about this how should we how would we phrase like carl do you even have questions like things that you were thinking about maybe you could fucking throw at us because we're trying to pawn ourselves off as being i'm not gonna lie not really no. dude. i'm kind of i'm kind of stony and <laughs> <laughs> what if like, what I if i know, man. can i throw some questions at you yeah okay so well let's start soft here uh I like just like to springboard into things. So you're a new school tattoo artist. What like actually made you decide that new school tattooing was a route to take? Like personally, I tattoo new school shit from time to time, but I have reasons why I tattoo new school from time to time. So like, do you have specific reasons as to why that's a style you gravitated to? That's funny. So I wanted to be the next carson hill when i first started tattooing that's a fucking name and drop I, right on yeah, yeah i wanted to be that like i wanted to be an organics artist that's like all i gave a shit about and i sucked at drawing <laughs> and i dude i tried for probably two years to like land that style and it just did not happen I got dudes into it that kill it in that style before I could even touch it. And I, so I was doing a lot of bullshit Pinterest tattoos. I was doing a lot of generic, you know, walk in, do a name, you know what I mean? And it just, I couldn't, I couldn't land bio. And every time I would like, just be like doodling, it would be a little cartoon character. And everyone I worked with was like, dude, that's dope. And I'm like, yeah, but I, I'm not like, I don't, I'm not really into new school. I'm not a new school guy. I'm a bio guy. So I was not ever a bio guy. I was just <laughs> way into it. But it, uh, I just wanted to develop my style and finally started just really like laying into drawing cartoons, getting weird with it. Um, embracing the fact that I didn't really want to work you know, on like perfect human proportions, like just exaggerating, having fun, like looking at like Nickelodeon stuff and how like it didn't matter as long as as long as they were fun shapes that were colored well and had a good light source. So essentially good. what you're saying is you didn't get into biomechanical, but you got into biomechanical because you have these what could be anthropomorphic or organic entities that proportionately yep. didn't matter as long as they function aka yep. bioorganic organic yep everything i wanted out of bioorganic style i just made characters out of essentially i guess yeah i liked i liked the rules with it i liked how you could relatively easily you know throw some shapes together color them in the right way and it looked good. 
and I just I think I think character faces just came easier to me so when I when I started to really want to like nail down a style I just drew what was the easiest and cartoon characters were always the easiest there's plenty of references out there I mean you type in cartoon character into google and you can you know chop together 700 images into an awesome character that's never been done before and that's cool to me that's a good question brian so you just landed on the idea of rules um do you find any type of congruency with the stuff that you're doing now versus other styles when you're thinking about that rule base um can you rephrase the question <laughs> <laughs> i didn't finish yeah. high school so. oh right on dude yeah no no so like it, it so you, you would describe yourself as a new school yeah <laughs> that's funny too so you you describe yourself as a new school artist right um yeah. with at least like the, the or character driven color predominant tattooer yeah. right do you find any type of similarities between the rules right that you may have described in your previous question with other tattoos styles that are out there or do you think that it's just like this is a very specific thing that i do i don't know i guess cartoony realism like so you you follow a lot of the same rules that you would follow within a realism tattoo as far as trying to keep a solid light source you want you want it to be something that's ridiculous, but is handled in a very realistic manner, mm -hmm. I think, is okay. like how I would describe it. That's what I try to do. Um, well, you're a big fan of you uh, say, Brian? Timmy B and uh, Tanane Whitfield, Lindsay Bugbaker, yes. et cetera. Yes. And uh, those guys cool. have really specifically um, kind of ran away from the term new school because new school was an old 90s term and they started to call their work illustrative yeah. realism so yeah what you're describing really fits that definition yeah i feel like i fit somewhere in between new school and illustrative realism like my my stuff's not super in the realism you know in the more realistic realm yeah. but it's closer than what like like classic 90s new school would be right yeah you're like steve moore james text you know yes. sort of realism kind of in between that and then that you know massive chrome projects from the 90s yeah. and shit yeah that's cool when you're talking you you have a level of comfort and it seems like you're thinking about not the technical application of the tattoos but more about the artwork like when you get into doing your work, are you having to think about what you're doing when you're doing it now? Or do you really just rely on that, that preface, the time that you spend developing the artwork before you get into it? Um, I'm, I work very on the fly. Yeah. I have, I don't, I, I plan out my light source while I'm doodling it, but that's more based on like, I don't know, like just certain like little, like a brow, like, a brow that I think would be fun to draw. I put that in there and whatever way it's the most fun. And I build off of that. And I, that's where I base my light source off of is like, you know, how, how dynamic I can get shadows and crucial points. It's like the actual tattooing um, now is, is just almost rote, right? Like you have your tools, you have your application, 
the trans the, how easily it translates between what you do on paper and what you do on skin is maybe like compared to we'll say 10 years ago that bridge is more defined yeah i i would say i almost feel more comfortable on tattoo at times than i do like coloring something in on the ipad it's because it's more i think lately i've been relying more on my ipad for my art just yeah. because it's easier than getting out my colored pencils but i think a tattoo always feels more like how my colored pencils feel so i'm more comfortable in that realm i'm more comfortable getting creative um and just like knowing where my light source is and having fun on the fly like if i can you know add way more black here and really bend that light and you know make it so you can clearly see that the light hits here stops this is in the way and there's this bright you know what i mean where the light continues like mm -hmm. i work off of what i think would be the most fun most dynamic in the moment i'm gonna cool. school you really quick here carl that area where your light stops is called a terminator it's your terminating line so your light hits and if it hits really strong you have a really strong dynamic terminator and then you can have a secondary light you know, so you'll have a white light and then like maybe a blue secondary or something like that. So now you can Google that shit and then really make it work to your benefit. Hard and soft. Hell yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Brian schooled me last week because he did this drawing of the zoo boom or whatever, the zoo bomb. This dude riding down a bike down a hill. He's all crazy. And the, Brian's character drawings are fucking amazing, right? And the base shadows where you had this character were going one way, but the background was going another way. And I'm like, did you mean to do that? And he, dude, like legit Scooby style broke this down for me. He's like, yes, because it's a fucking round planet and light hits different areas. But and I was just like mind blown because I was always looking at things very much like all, all planes almost have the same thing. I don't work in a lot of depth. Like I do work in in depth and in, in so far as like a foreground, midground background, but I wasn't thinking about depth as like 28 fucking miles like brian does you know he said mm -hmm. something like that and i was like i shut the fuck down i i didn't i don't think i answered you for like a day or something i was just like fuck me dude i went back i did a bunch of sketches here i've got like sketches there you go dude where i was sitting there drawing like a fucking face with like weird background shades and i was trying like fucking different gradients along the shit and i was like that motherfucker like he just gets stuff Anyways, I had to give you kudos. Like, I have to do at least 10 times a show, Brent. But it just, like, makes sense. So after we had that talk, and I came to this conversation prepared, I looked that shit up. So I sound like a smart motherfucker now. Um, <laughs> this is, if I didn't, you know, like, if, if this is that thing that we go back to when we talked about before, right? Like that, if I had kids or if I had time. <laughs> well so like instances like joke. this instances like this like uh once again yeah. i've i've been able to like work with a lot of tattoo artists that had a little bit of experience and then they came to the tattoo shop and they wanted to learn right so like uh mm. carl saying that there's light and then it stops and it looks fucking good right like tattooers breaking things down is tattooers didn't usually go to fucking art school or something right like there's not yeah. a whole lot of knowledge there so if we can relate a term to what it is that you're describing once you go and actually look that term up and you start to really get the information for that now you know how to make that a hundred times more powerful 
and you can really utilize that. You, I feel like I'm at the state in my career where I'm, I'm a solid enough tattooer. I'm a solid enough artist and I know enough about it to where I can really start to learn. I feel like I have such a strong grasp on it all that now I can, I can delve in and really like become a great artist. Like, I think I was always somewhat naturally good at art, but with no type of understanding of why, like I could put these shapes together and I was, I was really good with shapes and I was really good with color, which is why new school tends to work for me pretty easily, but I didn't know why. So my drawings looked good, but there was no rhyme or reason. I don't, I didn't have the level of control that I could just you know, draw, like when someone would come up and be like, oh, draw this for me. Like, I couldn't do that mm. because, you know, it, like I didn't have the fundamental understanding of why I would put these shapes together in the first place. I could draw my own thing that would look cool for you, but I couldn't draw the thing that you want me to draw. Yeah, there's a, and I was going to say, there's a, a fundamental principle on the idea of talent and everybody is set with a different parameter of specific talent, right? So when you're looking at like 200 kids sitting in a room drawing, there's always going to be kids that are somehow more advanced and kids that are less advanced or like, it doesn't have to be kids. It could be adults that are somehow more advanced and somehow less advanced, even if they had the exact same education. So that idea of talent is this kid had a great understanding of the physical world basically around them and how shit worked. But if that kid just relies on that talent alone they will never break a point right so if you can get that person that's talented and then actually educate them on to why they're already talented right (laughs) we can start to watch basically an eruption of their better understanding of things so that artwork you know once you're describing the idea like I could draw shit and I didn't know why I could draw shit. Well, you could draw shit because you had a natural talent for drawing shit. You had a natural understanding of why shit worked, right? So once, now that you're in a part of your career where you're like, okay, I'm hungry for fucking knowledge now, right? And you can start to break apart little bits and pieces of what you're doing and really actually start to research why you're doing the things that you're doing. You're just going to grow exponentially and probably pretty rapidly. Which is really fucking Probably cool. Probably pretty rapidly. That's really fucking cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm. I feel like <laughs> I'm really lucky because I started. I started tattooing when I was 18 years old. In That's 2000, lucky. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 2011. Um, and 2011 was a very pivotal year for tattooing, or not, not 2011 specifically but 2010 2011 2012 yeah. that was our tattoo yeah, because renaissance we had yeah yeah exactly we had and i mean shoot me for saying it but ink master came out um and that put a lot of spotlight on tattooing and you had instagram come out which gave you a plethora of good tattoo you know what i mean like yeah ink master it's it's a very exaggerated version of what that situation should be, but it brought some really good tattooers to the forefront that you wouldn't have seen otherwise. So everyone is looking at this higher caliber of tattooing instead of just looking at what, 
you know, the the tattooer down the street's been doing for 25 years. Yeah, street shop and fucking flash shop yeah. walk-ins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My I want to say like first day of my apprenticeship, apprenticeship, Kyle Cotterman was guest spotting at the shop I was Fuck working at. Fuck me, right on. That's cool. I had no fucking idea who this dude was. There was a kid in my hometown named Kyle Fetterman. And he was just kind of some dingus kid we skated with. But I remember them being like, oh, Kyle Cotterman's coming coming to town. And I was like, like that, that weird kid from the skate park? I had no idea who he was. And then I remember watching him work and being like, damn, this is crazy. And then seeing him in a tattoo magazine like two weeks later. It was right after he did the, the tattoo of him tattooing his brother. I don't know if you remember right. that tattoo. It was huge back right. then. Um, but like him tattooing his hand and everything with a light source. And yeah, that was that was my first exposure to tattooing. And then Dan Plumley had come and guested like two weeks later. So I like Early those exposure. are the people. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. And I got I you know, I it took me a while to really land it with tattooing because I had exposure to these, you know, bigger tattoo artists who were incredibly talented. But when it came down to the people I was working with, they either weren't divulging information or, you know, they just weren't good enough to explain how or why. And honestly, I was, because I'd worked around, you know, bigger artists, I was cocky. And I, you know, would take like the tidbits (laughs) of what Dan Plumley was telling me and be like, oh, this is, this is the end all be all. I wouldn't listen to what people would say. So, I mean, a lot of it was me being stubborn too and me having to break that down and realize, you know, I'm not good. You know, I'm not going to be this bioorganic God. You know, maybe I should just do cartoon characters because they're fun and I'm decent at them. So it's, there's two sides of it. You get, I think I had this vision of what I wanted out of tattooing and how good I wanted to be. But I was also a young kid who was like, oh, I know these people. So I'm already there. Like, and having to be humbled down to where I'm like, okay, you know, these, I've gotten the opportunity to be around these people, but I haven't done any of the work that, you know, I, there are people way better than me who would appreciate this way more on like a genuine level than what I was. And starting to realize that kind of brought me down to this, like, okay, I need to, I need to humble myself up. I need to listen. I need to pay attention you know, to what people are telling me. It doesn't matter if they're this amazing tattooer or just a tattooer who's been doing it for a little while and does solid tattoos. It, did something happen? Or did you, like, have a tattoo that, that caused that initial shift or maybe somebody said something? Like, was there a catalyst that led to that, like, reduction of um, ego? <clears throat> like, for me, specifically, yeah. I, I was a realism dude for, like, seven-plus years. And Brian and I joke about this all the time, right? Like, I was actually really good at realism. But I didn't know, and I was like, I didn't know how to draw when I got into tattooing. I had no idea. I could tattoo, but like there was a huge gap between me being an illustrator, right? Like illustrations. I could do realism stuff, like no one's business, right? But I couldn't come up with something without some massive reference or some, you know, whatever. It would take me hours to do something simple. I tried to do a, a four-leaf clover tattoo about nine, nine years in. Really simple, just small you know, quarter-sized four-leaf clover on this girl's ankle. <clears throat> they wanted it filled in gray. And it sounds funny, but, like, I, I didn't know how to do gray 
at all. So I decided to try and shade it in. I didn't use the right grouping. I didn't do the tattoo. It wasn't, it just wasn't good. It was just a bad tattoo because I had no idea what I was fucking doing. And that tattoo got shown to a dude who is, in, in my opinion, one of the best fucking artists on the planet. He looked at me and he said, you need to kill yourself. Like you suck. You are really fucking bad. You need to quit. You need to fuck off. Like this is, this is some 101 level bullshit, bro. Like, I don't care what the fuck face you can do. That's not tattooing. He said, quit. And he got me fired from my job. And I was working for a very uh, influential and dark person uh, in the biker world um, at the time who had given me an advance of $4,700 to move across the country to go work at a shop. And uh, with threats of violence and death, I ended up leaving and living in a goat farm of this Nigerian farmer on the East Coast. It's a long fucking weird story. And I couldn't find a job after that. I was blacklisted. I had no way of getting a job. So I just start right the fuck over. I went to this menial shit street shop. You know, I was paying like 30%. And I had to start over with fucking you know, no fucking ego. I, I, all of a sudden I knew, like, I, I didn't know. And I, I know everyone isn't going to have this big dramatic fuck you like I had, right? But like at that point in time, I came into it and I was like, okay, cool. What am I doing? I started asking questions instead of making assumptions and doing these things. You know what I mean? And it, it, it led me to where, because I, I have a philosophy and a bio degree. So like, that's why I kind of went this way, like college, whatever. Right? So that's why I ended up this way. It like steered me that way, you know? And I didn't know, if, if you had something and maybe it's just me trying not to feel like an outsider here uh, like please tell no, me you had was, something fucked up happen to <laughs> there was i couldn't i couldn't keep a job at a shop like it was either you know one thing or the other it was never a good fit and like i don't know i like i'd i went to the shop in finley that didn't work out and there was no like solid reason why other than probably bad chemistry. Yeah. Um, there was, there was a piercer kid who had like stirred up a lot of drama in the shop and slowly edged his way into tattooing, which was an absolute disaster. And he was just in everybody's ear and uh, me and another buddy of mine both got let go. Um, and then I worked at a shop in Sandusky for a little bit that ended up closing down because dude just sold it and it wasn't you know lucrative um and it just wasn't like it's like every single you know shop one thing or another it happened and then you know I'd ask around you know ask around about a place to work and I just couldn't get another job tattooing and it was I'd taken like a year maybe a little under a year off of tattooing where I was tattooing out of my house but um I guess yeah that like that was really it like it just it felt like it wasn't gonna work out for me it felt like for some reason I just couldn't couldn't do it yeah. there was always something and then I finally you know I, I'd start working at this factory for a little bit and I would just draw on the the tables we had cardboard that would cover the tables and I would sketch on that all day long, just in between like making parts, checking parts. And uh, I think I still have my Instagram account. So I would just post, um, post the pictures of the shit that I was drawing on like the desk or whatever. And Ryan Utini had 
followed me out of nowhere on Instagram. And uh, I was looking at his work and I'm like, holy shit, like this dude's work is crazy. And like, it's this wild style new school that like really like stuck out to me. And he would like my shit and like, he'd make comments on it. Like he always had something like positive or constructive to say. And so I'd like kind of started like bullshitting with him back and forth. And uh, the Detroit tattoo convention was coming up. And on a whim, I like, I didn't have shit for money, but I knew I had my taxes coming back. So I reached out to him and I was like, do you have a spot open at Detroit? And he was like, yeah, for sure. And I was like, dude, I totally want to snag the spot. Like if I can, he was like, yeah, dude, for sure. Come out. And so I went out there, I got tattooed by him. And like the way he like welcomed me in was like, it was awesome. And during the same period of time, one of the dudes I used to work with um, that was at the sister shop of the one that I was working at um, reached out and he was like, dude, you should definitely come back. You know, come, come work at the main shop. You know, we'll, we'll help kind of guide you and stuff like that. Just come in with an open mind. And between, you know, getting tattooed by Ryan and that all at the same time, I had this huge boost Yeah, where I just, I was like, okay, you know, this, this is my reset. This is my opportunity to start over, you know, come in with way more knowledge. You know, I've, I've been beaten down by tattooing enough yeah. to understand how fickle it can be and how much I should really appreciate it. And that was, it was, I was way more humble. I was way more appreciative of what I had. And that's where I started to grow. That's cool, dude. I had almost the same fucking experience. I, I had to fly across a country and ended up um, landing with this place when I had taken a short break to getting into a convention. And I remember I got into this convention and tattooed, I think like six months or something. It was a little bit rough and I was panicked and I came in with like $25 machines, you know, cam machines, just shitting. And I, I met a dude I used to know. I went up to him and I was like, I'm fucking nervous. He's like, bro, a Bushido is always dangerous, regardless of the weapons. I was like, fuck. All right, that's deep. Get fucked, right? <laughs> Remember, I went out and the first tattoo I did at this convention, I nailed. And the shop that I was like guesting at this convention was like, Do you want to come back and work with us? I was like, oh, you know. <laughs> okay. Oh yeah. That was my last mentor, too. That was fucking, yeah, that's cool. I can identify. Oh, here we get to go. Cause I I, I gotta think of this like so Brian, you got any. I was just it's laughing like, about nah, just uh, right from the, start. Like, uh, <laughs> the idea of how Carl got intertwined into a thin line tattoo where we both ended up working and the, the absolute polar difference of when I got hired there. I don't know if you've heard this story or not, Carl, <laughs> but uh, I was driving around uh, the Tiwi Park area, Batavia, shit like that, etc., looking for a spot to open a tattoo shop. And Every time I found a fucking spot to open a tattoo shop, the fucking uh, zoning commissioners in the areas would be like, no, 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 you can't have a tattoo shop there. I was like, how the fuck does that make sense? They're like, well, it's not industrial zoned. Because in Illinois, they had a specific law that tattoo shops had to be specifically in industrial zones, depending on which little stupid ass town you're in, right? Uh so like it was months, man, months of trying to just find a spot to open a shop. Anyway, I was like, I'm going to have to fucking find a tattoo shop to work at, 
you know, because we've burned through all this cash and shit. Uh, I got the number of a thin line and I was looking at the work. And at the time, I didn't really give a shit for new school tattooing and stuff like that. But I was seeing a lot of new school and lowbrow tattooing. And then just like general tattooing stuff that was coming out of the shop. And uh, I literally called a thin line and I was like, hey, who the fuck owns this place? And they're like, oh, it's Ryan, uh, yada, yada. Uh, I was like, all right, well, put him on the goddamn phone. <laughs> you know, like I was really <laughs> fucking pissed and impatient. <laughs> but uh, Ryan answers the phone. He's like, hey, this is Ryan. You know, what can we do for you? I was like, no. hey, man, I need a shop to work at. You're either going to fucking hire me or I'm going to open a shop and put you out of business. That was literally our fucking conversation. <laughs> so they were like, whoa, bro, you got to so slow down. Funny, <laughs> They're like, uh, if you want to right. so uh they were like you gotta like come by the shop let's meet up let's uh, talk about this shit uh like yeah. bring somebody and just do a tattoo on her or something like that so i showed up at the shop fucking half drunk you know just being an ignorant asshole uh brought my buddy josh at the time um did a color portrait of Scorpion from Mortal Kombat or some shit on his leg. And once again, I'm half fucking drunk. So half the time I'm tattooing him, I can't pay attention to what the fuck I'm doing. <laughs> but they were like, that's a really sick fucking tattoo. No matter how you swing it. They're like, um, yeah, dude, we don't, we'll hire you. <laughs> but it was just so funny. Like the idea, right? Like, yo, just fucking hire it's me. So or I'm going to put you out of business. <laughs> the external factors... <laughs> that influenced my growth in the industry are completely polar opposite because you've always been your worst fucking enemy, dude. <laughs> That's fucking fantastic. <laughs> Brian had amazing. to look in a mirror. Like, that's fucking great, dude. You're like, fuck. Like, ah. Uh. Yeah, that was just the end result of, like, it's just a night out drinking, being pissed off and shit, and then seeing a random tattoo shop, and it was just like, all right, I'll just call these assholes. We'll fucking figure this out. <laughs> uh, all right, no, we're probably out of time there, Carl. I know you got to get going. So I've got, I've got a, a few rapid fire questions for you. All right, and I want to know what your favorites are. Okay. So, what's your favorite food? Fuck, man. <laughs> um. <laughs> I like sushi. Okay, cool. I like sushi right now. Are you a morning or a night person? I'm a night person. I'm definitely a night person. Coil or uh, rotary? Rotary. What's your favorite color? Um, Deep Red from Eternal. All right, what's your favorite band? Right now, it's probably Knuckle Puck. Shout out Chicago Suburbs. (laughs) Right on. How do you deal with failure? Not well. (laughs) (laughs) I'm working on it. I'm working on it. That's cool. Uh, Favorite place to vacation? Um, It's hard. Um, I like the East Coast. I like the East Coast a lot. Portland, Maine is tight. So last one. What do you wish you knew? Or what could you tell yourself year one when you were tattooing that would have helped you? shut up and listen <laughs> that'd probably be it shut up and listen that's cool i think we can in a lot of aspects of life <laughs>
<laughs> shut up especially yeah tattooing for sure shut up and listen pay attention that's fucking cool dude so thank you for coming on the show you got anything yeah, you got absolutely. any shout outs or anything you want to fucking do before we stop recording here um i guess just shout out everyone works at sapphire with me for being dope co-workers and helping me how, how can people find you uh, i'm on instagram at carl underscore tattoos and you can go to my website directly which is just carl tattoos.com oh best fucking url like, i don't know how you ended <laughs> up with it. that that's fucking rad dude i got yeah. it i almost lost it this year i wasn't paying attention <laughs> <laughs> i had to make a bunch of phone calls and pay extra but i got it back damn dude yeah i didn't uh, realize my website was down for like a week I was like, dude, I haven't got any booking requests. Man, business is bad. I seen that. And then post. I went to my website. <laughs> I yep. seen that post on Instagram. I'm like, oh, that didn't go good, bro. Uh, <laughs> any last thing you want to say to people before we turn off this recording? No, thank you guys for having me on, man. I appreciate it, Brian. For sure, dude. Always a pleasure, my guy. Nice to meet you, Ryan. Yeah, nice to meet um, you, dude. Brian, I will be down to ride bikes soon. Very soon. Looking better. <laughs> I'm working on it. I'm working on it.